Hey, Northgate, my name is Kayla Hurst, and I'm one of the pastors here where we envision transforming our homes, communities, and world by pursuing God, building community, and unleashing compassion. I am so glad that you've joined us today. We are spending the summer studying and learning from the parables Jesus told in the Gospels. Now, parables are short stories that teach a moral and or spiritual lesson by analogy or similarity. These are often not stories of events that actually happened, but in Jesus' case, they were usually based on things that were intimately familiar to his original audience. He did that so his audience would recognize their own life experiences in the stories and then be able to internalize the big truth he was trying to convey. Today, we're going to learn from a parable in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew is the first of the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. This parable is actually an answer that Jesus gives to a question the Apostle Peter asks. So let's jump in and let Matthew tell the story. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, Peter is asking a practical question. I like this guy. I often relate to him in the gospels. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes not so much. Peter is a rule follower. He wants to know the right thing to do so he can go about doing it. Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? And then, I love this, he suggests, seven times? You've got to wonder if he had someone on what he thought should be their last round of forgiveness with him. Can you imagine him giving Judas side eye over there on the other side of the tree? I see you, Judas, stealing my lunch every day for the last week. Hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Maybe seven times is enough? But actually, it's interesting to note that the rabbi's teaching around that time in history would teach that a man should forgive three times. So Peter probably thought he was being real generous by suggesting more than double that amount. 
Some scholars further note that in Hebrew, the number seven often signifies completeness or perfection and can be used kind of like how I use the word gazillion, which is a silly word to emphasize the quantity of something. If that's the case, it makes Jesus' response even better. He takes Peter's generous suggestion and blows it out of the water. Essentially, he says, I see your gazillion and raise you a levendy gazillion. That's how many times you should forgive your brother or sister. Jesus' use of 77 times isn't about 490. It's about infinity. And that's how Jesus wants Peter and us to understand forgiveness. And to be sure we understand, Jesus tells us a story, a parable. It's important to note that just like a lot of the other parables we've been looking at, he starts with, the kingdom of God is like. This idea of forgiveness is kingdom living stuff. It's for kingdom people like you and me. It's one of the ways we get to bring heaven to earth here and now. When we live with kingdom principles, life will look very different than the way it normally does, different than we're often counseled to live even. We will look peculiar in comparison to the world's normal mode of operation. Now, I'm going to go ahead and skip to the end right now. I'm going to tell you the moral of the story right from the beginning. Then we can talk about the details. Here it is. Forgiven people forgive people. We forgive because we've been forgiven. It's kind of like the Taylor Swift song, baker's gonna bake, hater's gonna hate, forgiven people gonna forgive. I mean, it's not as catchy, I suppose, but you get the point. Forgiven people forgive people. And that's why the story of Jesus, and that's why the story Jesus told does something inside of us. I guess I don't know how you reacted, but I got more than a little upset with the servant who waltzed out of his own pardoning and went straight into a graceless rage. I'd like to think I would have raced the other servants to tell on that jerk. But my anger with that servant lasts just about as long as it takes to lift up a mirror. Forgiveness comes easier when we remember that we have more in common with the person that wronged us than we'd like to admit. Now stay with me. Here's what I mean. I think we need to reframe the forgiveness equation. We want things to be equal. We talked a few weeks ago about fairness, right? We want things to even out. But in one story after the other, Jesus says, you're missing the point. It's not about things equaling out. Okay, let's do some math. The NIV says that this guy owed the master 10,000 bags of gold. The Greek actually says 10,000 talents. And one talent was about a year's wages. Forgive me, I'm going to use averages to make it easier on all of us. So the median household income in the U.S. last year was $72,000. So 72,000 times 10,000 is $72 million dollars. That's how much the guy owed. Impossible to repay. Okay, we'll look at the other guy now. His fellow servant who owed him a 100 silver coins. We can already tell that this is ridiculous, but let's play it out. The Greek says it was a 100 denarii. One denarius, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, was the average daily rate of pay. So the 72,000 divided by 52 divided by 5 is actually 280. Well, 277, but we're going to round up to 280. I'm feeling generous. 
one denarius would be equal to $280. So 280 times 100 is $28,000. That's how much he owed this guy. And, and $28,000 was a lot of money for sure. Probably not something either of these guys had laying around. And yet, it wasn't even close to $72 million. Not even close. So wait, am I saying you should only forgive those who have sinned less than you? Is that the moral of this story? <laughs> I sure hope not. See, the point isn't what has been done to us. It's what has been done for us. In this guy's life, the only thing bigger than $72 million was forgiveness. That was his only hope. In the face of impossible debt, the master chose forgiveness. Now, we're in a similar situation, friends. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And that's what would equal out everything for us. That's the debt we owe. But Jesus paid that debt on the cross. He traded our death for his. He canceled our debt. So in this equation, the only thing bigger than our debt is forgiveness. Now, when someone sins against us, When someone wrongs us, no matter how egregious the offense, the debt we are owed pales in comparison to the debt we owe God. But the point isn't what has been done to us. It's what has been done for us. You see, we're all on the same side of the equation here. We all need impossible forgiveness. And that is why we can give forgiveness. Forgiven people forgive people. And that's what the kingdom looks like. Forgiven people forgiving people. I'm not naive, though. Forgiveness is a sticky subject for some people and, evidently, for some animals. Did you know that primates like gorillas and chimpanzees often follow up confrontations with friendly behavior like hugging or even kissing? That same kind of behavior is seen in other mammals, too, like goats, hyenas, dogs. In fact, the only species of mammal we have yet to see exhibit those outward expressions of forgiveness is, can you guess it? The domestic cat. <laughs> All joking aside, I get it. Forgiveness can be hard. When someone really hurts you, maybe even intentionally, and they show no remorse, how are you expected to forgive them? Well, let's talk about what forgiveness is not, and maybe that will help clear things up. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Forgiveness is not saying, no big deal, don't worry about it, nobody's perfect. See, there are instances where that kind of response is appropriate, but not when someone has wronged you. That's sin, and that is a big deal. In fact, it's the reason Jesus died on the cross. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the offense. It magnifies God's grace working through you. Forgiveness is also not forgetting. That would make it impossible. You just try and forget something. When you're trying to forget something, what are you thinking about? The thing. You can't forgive and forget. You just can't. If you were abused, betrayed, abandoned, cheated on, or lied about, 
You can't forget that stuff. Some Christians will point to the scripture where it says God will remember their sin no longer. And doesn't that mean God forgets our sin? Well, no, actually. God is omniscient, all-knowing. He can't forget what we've done. What it means is that God chooses to interact with us through the filter of what Christ has done, not what we've done. We can choose to do the same thing. We may not be able to forget, but we can choose to forgive based on what Christ did. Forgiveness is also not reconciliation. It only takes one person to forgive. It takes two people to reconcile. When you've been wronged, forgiveness is your part of reconciliation. That's why Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Reconciliation and restoration of a relationship requires the offender to do three things that are completely unrelated to forgiveness. It's the three R's, repentance, restitution, and rebuilding. They have to demonstrate genuine repentance. They have to make restitution whenever possible, and they have to rebuild trust over time. That process is independent of forgiveness. You can forgive without an apology, without restitution, and without a rebuilt relationship. It takes one person to forgive. It takes two to reconcile. Now, some of you with a strong sense of justice are bowling up right here. I see you, and I'm with you. That's God's character in us. I'm not going to diminish it. Good news. Forgiveness does not forego justice. You can forgive someone and testify against them in court. You can forgive and still pursue justice. Justice and forgiveness are not mutually exclusive. Ultimately, both are found in our good and perfect God. His goodness is the place we can rest when it doesn't seem that justice is coming. And the Bible is clear, it's coming. It either gets taken care of here, it gets get taken care of on the cross, or it gets taken care of on Judgment Day. We don't have to wait for justice to forgive. And even from a worldly perspective, we can't afford to wait. Maybe you've heard the famous quote from Nelson Mandela, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Or maybe the one from Louis B. Smeeds. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Science and the medical community back it up. The Mayo Clinic published an article stating that in addition to improved mental health, less anxiety, and stress, forgiveness actually leads to lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, and improved heart health. Forgiveness is a powerful thing, and not just for your body but for the community as well. 20 years after nearly a million people were killed during the country's genocide, Peter Hugo went to South Rwanda to capture a series of unlikely, almost unthinkable stories on film. In each of the pictures, the perpetrator is a Hutu who is granted pardon by the Tutsi survivor of his crime. The people who agreed to be photographed were part of a national effort toward reconciliation, and they worked closely with a nonprofit that counseled small groups of Hutus and Tutsis over many months, finally culminating in the perpetrator's formal request for forgiveness. If forgiveness was granted by the survivor, the perpetrator and his family and friends typically brought a basket of offerings, usually food and sorghum or banana beer. Then the agreement was sealed with song and dance. I want to share just three of their stories and these are their words. I burned her house. I attacked her in order to kill her and her children, but God protected them and they escaped. When I was released from jail, if I saw her, I would run and hide. 
Then AMI started to provide us with trainings. I decided to ask her for forgiveness, to have good relationships with the person to whom you did evil deeds. We thank God. I used to hate him. When he came to my house and knelt down before me and asked for forgiveness, I was moved by his sincerity. Now, if I cry for help, he comes to rescue me. When I face any issue, I call him. The day I thought of asking pardon, I felt unburdened and relieved. I had lost my humanity because of the crime I committed. But now, I am like any human being. After I was chased away from my village and Dominique and others looted it, I became homeless and insane. Later, when he asked my pardon, I said, I have nothing to feed my children. Are you going to help me raise my children? Are you going to build a house for them? The next week, Dominique came with some survivors and former prisoners who perpetrated genocide. There were more than 50 of them, and they built my family a house. Ever since then, I started to feel better. I was like a dry stick. Now I feel peaceful in my heart, and I share this peace with my neighbors. I asked him for forgiveness because his brother was killed in my presence. He asked me why I pleaded guilty, and I replied that I did it as someone who witnessed this crime, but who was unable to save anybody. It was the order from authorities. I let him know who the killers were, and the killers also asked him for pardon. Friends, forgiveness is the way. And as followers of Jesus, it isn't a suggestion. Forgiven people forgive people, but not in their own power. We forgive with the full force of the cross behind us. We can't do it on our own. It's only because we've been forgiven that we have the capacity to forgive. And when we forgive, we are broadcasting the gospel to a world that so desperately needs it. We are walking pictures of what Jesus did for each one of us. But maybe you haven't experienced that forgiveness just yet. In fact, maybe you question whether it is even offered to someone like you. Is the master really willing to forgive your debt, your millions? Is God really extending grace to you? Well, we state our theology about this every week. There's nothing so lost that God cannot find. There's nothing so dead that God cannot resurrect. And there is nothing so broken that God cannot mend. If you want to be found alive and mended, He's offering it right now. In fact, we're going to give you some space to open your heart to Him as we worship. I want you guys to stick around. We have some instructions and some appointment announcements after the song. But open your heart to see God's forgiveness. Open your eyes to see how much He loves you. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide.